Welcome to Stu's EV Universe, where you can find anything and everything electric vehicle. Stuart, you there? Yes, Police Chief Scott. Thank hey. you. For, thank you for joining me. Yes, sir. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? I am great. Yes, sir. I'm ready to go. All right, good. Yeah, no, um, I'm thrilled that you're uh, on on the show with me today. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing um, probably for me to see all year, and the year has just started, um, was your recent unveiling of your new patrol cars. Can you uh, tell me a little bit about what you all got? Yes, absolutely. So uh, here at the Brand Police Department, we we're essentially looking at at ways to you know be as innovative as possible while you know also being as cost efficient as possible and so um one of the struggles we we were running into is that your traditional um vehicle makers of, of police pursuit vehicles which are you know your dodge chargers your ford explorers chevy tahoes uh, or your dodge durangos um due to covid and even uh, even before covid there were a lot of, um, you know, uh, delays in production. And uh, the COVID pandemic has just, you know, exacerbated this whole entire process to where it's almost a year or two to get a police vehicle in. And uh, a friend of mine uh, who lives out in California, uh, he owns, um, you know, a Tesla uh, and he owns a Model S. And I remember him telling me about it, but he also works at the uh, Los Angeles Police Department there at uh, LAPD. And then he said that they were actually uh, investing in some of their uh, some of their fleet was going to be Tesla vehicles. And I got to thinking, you know, let me look into this. You know, I think it's kind of crazy, but let me look into it and see if it's something that we could even you know, consider here uh, in, in, in good old, you know, Kentucky. And so uh, long story short, I got to doing some research and saw where we could actually get a Tesla vehicle. The Model 3 was showing delivery times of like two to five weeks. And I got to thinking like, wow. And then I saw the price of the vehicle and I got to thinking, wow, these are, you know, they're the same price as the patrol calls, cars we're already purchasing. And right. uh, that's kind of what led to it. You know, a lot of it was production and cost and, and also just looking at innovation and how we can be, you know, more environmentally friendly, you know, moving forward. So uh, that's kind of what led us to purchasing. Uh, as of now, we own three Model 3 uh, Teslas and they are patrol vehicles. They're fully outfitted with lights and sirens and we're super excited about them. Now, the outfitting process, um, I remember you mentioning that that was a, a little different than the quote, and quote unquote traditional, you know, ICE vehicle. Um, what kind of special things had to be done, be perhaps because they are electric cars? Um, and what are included? I, I was very impressed with the looks of them. You know, just from the outside, um, you know, all of the, uh, the the graphics and everything looked wonderful on there. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So uh, it was, uh, this is probably the most difficult uh, part of the entire, um, you know, onboarding of the Teslas was outfitting them because uh, the traditional police vehicle, there's templates and, and blueprints already designed. We've been using the same three to four cars pretty much since the Crown Vic was no longer mass produced by Ford. And so long story short, we partnered with uh, Lance over at uh, LNW Outfitters here in Kentucky, out of Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, and they are who outfit our traditional police cars when we got them in. I hate saying traditional as if, you know, but more <laughs> more common, I guess you would say. Right, so, right. Um, so long story short, yeah, we partnered with them. And we kind of explained to them what we wanted, and we ran into hiccups immediately. So the roof of a police car is where we put most of our antennas. We have a lot of our cages that are going to be, like, reinforced and steeled, uh, and they're all bolted from the floor all the way up to the ceiling. Well, as you all know, the Tesla Model 3 has an entire glass ceiling, as I think all the Tesla models are pretty much all glass in the ceiling. And so, you know, there were some definitely some hiccups there where we had to mount antennas and, and things in a way that uh, we couldn't put them directly on the ceiling of the vehicle. Uh, we also um, ran into issues where, you know, we had to sign non-disclosures and a lot of things that, you know, in dealing with a Tesla, 
uh, there's a lot of their technology that is proprietary just specifically to them. And so we, we had to ensure that, you know, we were working in a way that, you know, didn't void any warranties, um, you know, and, and also within the vehicle, there's none, like there's not a lot of traditional components that you have in a combustible engine. So there's a lot of modulators and there's a bunch of adapters and regulators and things that we use from an electricity standpoint um, to help facilitate these vehicles uh, that we traditionally wouldn't have had in a normal vehicle. You just kind of run the, everything off your 12-volt battery and you're good to go. Uh, but, you know, something we learned through this process is literally every component of that vehicle is, is smart technology. So every panel you open, you can't just pop open a panel that you traditionally would in a, in a Dodge Charger knowing that it's hollow behind it. It's just, you know, uh, a space that maybe you can store some wiring or something. You know, every every component of that Tesla has been designed uh, uh, to, to act and work in the way in which it does, which is it's one of the most sophisticated vehicles that I know I've ever driven. And I'm certain it's one of the most sophisticated on the road um, with this, you know, proprietary technology. And so, you know, we worked really hard with Tesla, um, you know, out of Cincinnati. Uh, they have a government fleet, um, um, you know, component of their company there that we really worked well with, as well as we worked with Lance at L&W, who was kind of the mastermind behind, you know, him and his team were able to, you know, break down these Teslas. And we ran into a lot of issues. You know, Tesla is all about battery uh, consumption and savings, uh, saving your battery so that you can get more miles on the road. Well, a lot of police vehicles are all about, um, you know, we're, a lot of times we're sitting in a parking lot or we're on a traffic stop or we're on a, a collision scene where we're out there for an hour or more. Um, so there's a lot of times that, like, we need the vehicle to continue to run our lights and to continue to be completely, uh, you know, um, operating while we're in a, a non-driving status. And so I know uh, we ran into a lot of hiccups and overriding a lot of the technology that wants to shut the car down to to conserve and, and, and save on battery to where we were like, no, we don't need to do that. We need this thing completely, basically awake at all times um, so that we can facilitate our needs as law enforcement officers. And so, um, you know, we worked through that. But the issue we ran into mainly was because of these non-disclosures, it wasn't like we could just call LAPD or call, I think there's a department in Connecticut that has them. There's not many, but the few that do have them and have them outfitted, we ran into a lot of issues because they just couldn't talk about a lot. And so a lot right. of it was trial and error, and our goals are to hopefully get Tesla. We're working with them. I, I text, uh, or not text, I got I got an update. I'm getting old. I, I sent a tweet out to uh, Elon Musk <laughs> himself. And I, I tagged him with a tweet recently from our police department page asking if he could uh, look to partner with uh, law enforcement because we're hoping to get an actual interceptor that they build that is specific to us, just like Ford and Dodge and some of the other car companies have done. It just right. makes it a lot easier on us on the back end when we're, you know, if it comes from the manufacturer and they already have the adapters ready, you know, behind the console and we don't have to do a lot of, you know, manipulating or altering of the vehicle. Right. Did did you get a response or <laughs> not? Not yet. But to be honest, okay. with you, I'm probably <laughs> a, a week long into my Twitter life. So he might okay. have responded and I just don't know yet. So oh, good. Uh, okay. I'm not very good with it, but I am definitely working to uh, get the word out there. And uh, I'm actually on a Facebook group and I'm considering posting on there as well, because this group has thousands and thousands of uh, Tesla enthusiasts. Right. And uh, I think if we if I can get like kind of a movement going, I think that eventually it would reach him. But uh, right. I'm going to give this one maybe a week to see if he does respond or if he hears us. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we're additional like because like was there an additional 12 volt battery or anything like that that had to be because I assume there's a lot of equipment, you know, specific equipment in there. Um, were there any modifications like that that had to happen or? No, actually, we were uh, we were very lucky uh, with this first round of the Model 3s. And so these we call them like our test rounds because the next group uh, or next batch of vehicles we're looking to go with are going to be the Model Ys. Right. Um, just because we've learned that they're so similar to the 3, but they also like in cost and, and, and efficiency, but they also have you know, they're a larger vehicle. So it gives us more options as law enforcement officers because we have a bunch of junk we carry around from, you know, our our, our equipment for life savings, with, whether it be um, PPE equipment for COVID, whether it be, which is your personal protection equipment, whether it be rifles, whether it be 
um, traffic control, you know, cones or whatever, uh, more room is better. And so we are excited to look to move to the Ys just because we think it's going to give us a little more functionality. Um, but we were, we're very lucky. We haven't had to do any actual structural changes to the vehicle. We just had to do a lot of manipulating of software, uh, and things in partnership with Tesla. But, um, we didn't, you know, as of now, we haven't had to add a second, uh, a battery, uh, 12 volt. And we're hopeful that we don't get into that world because, you know, like I said, that's where we're hoping that Tesla steps up and says, you know what, there is a market out there for this. Um, and if you can get a contract for law enforcement officers, I mean, there's, there's over a million of us out here in, in, in the United States. So um, that would be a great contract if they can start pushing some of the bigger agencies and even right. like us, you know, some of the mid-sized to smaller agencies as well. And I, I know at the uh, unveiling, you, you uh, popped the trunk and the frunk. Um, there was special equipment in, in both of those areas. Um, what, what do you store in, in those areas at, at this point? So uh, our, our goals are is, is, is in the front of the vehicle is going to be life-saving uh, um, devices. So we're going to have all of our first aid, AED equipment. Um, that's going to be our personal protection equipment. Um, that's more for safety. And so we're trying to uh, separate, which is really neat. We've never had the ability to do that because we've always had just one trunk. So this is really neat that if we need like life safety devices and an officer, let's say, is on the side of the road and he's performing CPR, well, he can push his button, you know, um, and pop the trunk of the vehicle and someone can grab something from him that's, you know, another unit, doesn't even have to have the keys to the vehicle. They can either do it remotely in the vehicle or through the or through the app. So that is a function that we really do appreciate. Um, we also have the fobs as well that we've purchased that um, that have worked great for the vehicle and, and, and just ease of operation. So you don't have to get your phone out, um, you know, on, on a traffic stop and, and it looks like you're texting or something after you just, you know, might have, you know, written someone a ticket or whatever. So we are uh, hopefully putting in the front of the vehicles right now, we're putting our safety devices and then in the rear of the vehicle is going to be more of our traditional stuff where we're going to have our rifle racks, which is where we're going to put our, uh, our AR-15 rifles. And then we also have back there um, some cones and then the officer has their own patrol bag, which is an assortment of just accessories and things, you know, uh, extra tickets, pins, you know, uh, we also carry uh, Beanie Babies back there uh, that we hand out to, to our youth and the community. Uh, the oh, that's children, great. The children we run into on call. So, yeah, it's really neat. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's taking some, you know, cultural changes in us for to learn the vehicle. And that's why we're starting slow. But uh, we're super excited so far in the first couple of weeks of them on the road, just how efficient and how great they've been so far. Now, you, you mentioned a little bit, uh, well, this is the first police department in the state of Kentucky to have electric vehicles as patrol cars. Um, so I, I commend you on that. That's, that's a huge feat. Mm -hmm. There are very few, uh, my understanding is there are very few across the nation that have uh, EVs as, as patrol cars. Um, do you have an idea of how many? Or, or, and like you said, you have reached out to a couple of them. Yeah. So my research has shown there's probably, I think, around six or seven in the entire United States that actually have Teslas. And then as for EV, there's a larger market for the EV. Uh, there was a big push about six or seven years ago for alternate um, modes of transportation. So like we have a zero motorcycle, which is a completely EV motorcycle. It's a full size, you know, the thing will do a hundred plus miles an hour. It's a very capable vehicle um, and we absolutely love it. And so there are a lot of those out there in the market. There's some, um, some of the larger, bigger city metropolitan agencies, Minneapolis, uh, Atlanta, NYPD, New York area, where they have some EV, you know, hybrid type vehicles for like parking uh, enforcement or some different subsections of their of their police department. Um, but I can tell you as for, you know, just, you know, like my goal is to be 80 percent uh, complete uh, EV, either Tesla or whoever, you know, because I know uh, in this space there there's a huge uptick in, in participants coming on board. I know that. You know, I remember sitting, uh, you know, watching this year's Super Bowl and how many of the big car dealers were putting out advertisements this year saying Chevy and, and, and you know, GM as well as Ford, uh, Volvo. There's, I think, a couple others that have all made commitments in the next, you know, five to 10 years to be completely all EV. And so, you know, just looking at the writing on the wall, we do believe that this is going to be the future um, because, I, you know, myself driving one now, I can see completely 
like the benefit of this is, it's, it's, you know, as long as we can work on here in Kentucky, you know, we're still heavy in coal. And, and as long as we can look at, you know, maybe diversifying our, you know, our energy grids, but if we can get there, I believe that, you know, as, as a state, you know, we have the opportunity to kind of set ourselves aside. And I think that Kentucky in general, you know, we're, we we're behind in a lot of ways as other, other bigger metropolitan areas, you know, even around us, you know, Tennessee and Ohio, you know, um, they have a lot, a lot in a lot of ways and, you know, a more thriving and robust economies and areas. And so I look at Kentucky and I say to myself, you know, why not us? And maybe we missed it on the front end, but maybe this next, this next, you know, generation of, of innovation and change, this is our moment, you know, and I always tell people, why can't we be a little Gatlinburg in the middle of nowhere? You know what I mean? And right. so we always, that's, that's kind of my motto. Why not? You know, and, I come from Atlanta, a bigger city, so I truly believe that, you know, you can do anything. Because I remember, you know, growing up and in, 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 in as a kid, and in Georgia was, you know, nothing but woods, and, and it was a smaller town, and now you go there, and it's this huge, robust metropolitan. I mean, you can't even find grass anymore in the area. Everything's been freaking turned into a business or a parking lot or something, you know, but they're thriving. And, and so right. there's gives and takes there, obviously, but... uh but I'm excited about the future here for Kentucky as, as well as for the Berea Police Department. Now, I know they've only been on the road for a short time, but um, what is the response? What's the response been like, uh, you know, from the public? Uh, I would say, you know, other police forces. Have you heard from other folks? Um, and I guess the third thing is, I mean, have you arrested anybody in one of these yet? And, um, <laughs> you know, what kind of response do you get, you know, there? Um so yeah it's it's funny we when we initially launched these i always joke about the timing and i i told myself it was the worst timing in the world you know you can't plan a lot of things in life and so the week we launched these i think it was a monday march 1st uh we had just come off of over the past week one of the worst ice storms and snow right. uh, weather uh, 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 systems that we've had here in Kentucky in probably 10 years. And so I just remember some of the, the only blowback that we received was one, just transparency, people not understanding, you know, um, that the model three is not the model X or, or the model right. S, you know, there's a huge difference. Tesla, that's one of the things that I, I do respect about Elon Musk and how he has, you know, evolved the company. He truly, when he, you know, his mission statement of starting out with an expensive, you know, roadster sports car and, and, and selling that and then making profits to create a better car and then to create a, a cheaper better car and, and 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 i think he's done it i mean he's gotten down now where the base model of a model three is thirty two thousand dollars which to me is amazing i mean i think that's very affordable um you know for a standard plus and i think that it will get a lot of more people in this area in uh in this space of evs now that there's not only is there an ev vehicle that's affordable but it's also really neat and it's really cool um it's really flashy and so I'm excited about that. But so we ran into a lot of that. When I say bad timing, our roads in Kentucky were terrible because of all the salt, all of the, you know, the snow and the ice and plowing. So our road, there was a potholes everywhere. And so that was the biggest pushback is everyone was like, how can we afford Tesla's? assuming they're a hundred something thousand um, right. um, and uh, how can we afford these? And we can't afford to get our roads, this and our roads, that. And basically the road departments were like, until we're certain that there's no more weather systems coming in, like over the next month, we're not going to come out and put a ton of money into repairing these, you know, some of the smaller, now the bigger ones they did, but you know, and it just makes sense. You don't want to go back and do double work because there's costs involved with that. So, you know, the timing wasn't perfect. We haven't had a storm like that. So we did run into some issues there, but you know, we were very, very transparent. I've done a ton of things like this, not just, you know, podcasts, but interviews uh, through media, uh, Facebook, uh, putting out numbers and just trying to be as transparent as we could so that uh, the public, because one, you know, we are, this isn't a personal decision for me to go out and buy an EV vehicle. This is everything we do is with our taxpayers funds. And so we have to be as responsible as possible. And um, I think when I was able to show them that our, our newest model 2021 Chevy Tahoe that we were actually moving towards because of, you know, because we needed an all wheel drive type vehicle. Um, they were starting out at $56,000, you know, for the 2021. And then I show them where, 
the long range was like 39,000 starting out, they were like, oh, okay, we get it now. You know, um, we're actually saving over 10 grand off the top. Like before we even start to outfit the vehicle, we've already saved, you know, 10 to $15,000. And, and so for us, it was a lot of it was just getting out there, kind of getting ahead of it, you know, doing the reveal instead of people just kind of looking up and seeing them on the road. We try to do the best we can to do our due diligence to get out ahead of it. Um, and we think it's worked well. A lot of our local media have been great and, you know, putting the stories out there um, and helping us. And your last portion, which was, you know, have we arrested someone? We actually have. Um, it was so funny. I actually was so excited. I was leaving work around 6 p.m. one day and I saw it was the first day we launched them and I saw an officer out on a traffic stop with it. And I get out and I got my phone. I'm on the other side of the street like a cheerleader. I'm taking pictures and I'm like so excited about this moment. And I remember uh, they all look at me because this is like a uh, high level drug investigation that we've been working on for a while. We had an informant, right. an informant there that we did not want to have photographs. So I couldn't share any of the pictures. And I was like, out of all the traffic stops and all the arrests <laughs> we've made, the first one in the Tesla has to be like a high priority one that I can't even put out. So I was very frustrated about it. But, you know, we it's it's been great. And I can tell you that a lot of the comments online are like, so now uh, I, I saw a couple people saying things like, well, this is frustrating me. I got to go get arrested just to get my first ride in a Tesla. And so <laughs> I think the community has, has been, you know, they've, they've, they've kind of, you know, moved on. I think now that they see the transparency, a lot of people hear the word Tesla and they just hear hundred thousand plus dollar fancy, or, you know, they think, right. they think along those lines, but you know, the reality is, is it's, it's very affordable. Um, and, and, and also even outfitting it was cheaper than us outfitting, you know, uh, the Tahoe, uh, which, which to me is shocking, but we were able to do a lot of, a lot of the technology within the vehicle, we don't have to actually, you know, implement that. So things like the sentry mode, all the internal and external cameras, you know, uh, we're able to work with those and use those as 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 viable options for us as an agency versus putting a dash camera in the car. That's a, right. you know, a Panasonic two or three thousand dollar system, you know, and uh, and ultimately the, the the last step of this for me, which I'm really hoping for is getting into the back end of the API and, and also being able to implement our uh, our, mo our MDTs is what we call them, their mobile data uh, terminals, which is basically the computer in a law enforcement officer's car. And if we could somehow implement that into the back end, which we're working on with Tesla, um, that right there I think would change the game for us because one, we have these MDTs in our car, which are you know three to five thousand um, dollars, and then the software on them is also three to you know two two to three thousand. I mean, it's crazy expensive in law enforcement world, you know, to outfit these these cars. But you got to look; it's like basically it's our office space. You know, some people have retail office and they have a desk and you know you know four walls and a door and a window. Our, our our officers, you know, they have everything they need in their vehicle. That's their office. That's their computer, right. their printer, and, and that's where they work every day. So it, it does come with a little cost, but I think the Teslas are going to help us reduce that. And, and, and that's not even counting the savings over the years. So we're excited about this project. Well, and it really looked, you know, looking into the car, it looked very elegant. Uh, you know, you could tell it was thought out um, and just really well done. Um and I mean, the other thing with this is that, um, I mean, you're leading by example. You, you know, it's always hard, I think, to be the first. Mm -hmm. And nobody wants to necessarily, I don't, and I never got this, but nobody ever wants to be the first. Yes. Uh, but here you are, you're the first. And, and, and it's really a wonderful thing because um, whether it's other police forces, um, now there's one, you know, here in Kentucky that is doing this and, and doing it successfully. And you can tick off all the reasons why others should do this. Um, and not only police forces, other government agencies, mm -hmm. fleets in general. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about moving to electric vehicles, uh, but for the most part, you know, except for a few, you know, exceptions, it's been a lot of talk. And and here you're doing this. Uh, you have a handful of cars now, and I understand you have a goal of even more before the end of the year. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there, there are pros and cons of being the first. You know, there was uh, 
there's been a lot of support though. Like I was, I was a little shocked at that. I thought there would be a little more pushback, um, especially from, you know, some of those naysayers here in Kentucky, you know, there's a lot of old, old mindsets, you know? And so I was hoping that, you know, it wouldn't be like, Oh, that's just, you guys are doing that for, you know, to look cool or flashy. Right. But it's like, the reality is, is, is when I look at innovation, um, sometimes being first isn't the best, you know, because we've already put these together and realized that, like, wow, the why is going to be a better option. You know what I mean? And so there's a lot right. that we're learning as we go. Uh, but that doesn't mean that what we're doing isn't working. And so my goal right. is I, I don't think we're ever unless things just kind of freeze and pause in time and we stop innovation. I think that we're going to always continue moving towards something. And, you know, our iPhone one is not going to be our iPhone 12. And and so the the way I look at it is, is like, let's get on on board. Let's start to get our infrastructure done now, because the charging component is what is really, I think, inhibiting the growth of, of EVs nationwide is, you know, there's 20 times the amount of gas stations as there are EV charging locations. Right. Um, and that's actually what initially drawn me or drew me to Evolve KY, you and your team, which was, you know, what you guys are doing here in the state through your, your programs of, of getting uh, charging stations throughout the state of Kentucky. And when I saw that, I was just blown away at like, wow, I'm not the only one out here crazy enough to think that we can do this <laughs> here in Kentucky, you know? Right. And then to hear kind of, you know, your guys' story and how you all started um, really just as like an enthusiast club and it kind of grew into this nonprofit and it's even grown from there to where you guys have, you know, national attention and in, in what you do. Um, I was super excited about this and, and, and that's why I initially was looking immediately to partner with you all and, and hopefully, you know, I want to flood our entire city with, with um, our, our, our charging stations because I think that if we can get on the forefront of this and show everyone that, look, we're making it work. You know, the car has a 300 to 350 mile range in the long range. You know, our officers are doing somewhere between 80 and 100 to 120 miles a day um, patrolling. And so they can get two, almost three days of actual patrol time before they need to charge. Like you're not doing right. that in a gas vehicle. You know, our guys are getting 160 to 190 miles because as we sit there and idle, as the vehicle's idle, it just destroys us in gas. And about 40 or 50% of our time is idling, just sitting there with the car running um, and not much going on. So it's not even necessarily the miles in a law enforcement police car or a police cruiser that's that's concerning. It should be like, like a boat and have just engine hours because, you know, our engine hours are way worse than the miles are going to actually indicate. So, you know, that's the goal here is, is to look at the future, look at where we're going, you know, think as forward as we can and hopefully – you know, bring the right amount of innovation, but you have to do it right. You know, I would rather do it right a little at a time. We're going to buy, you know, we have three now. We're going to look to buy four to five here in July. Um, our goal is to have close to 10 by the end of this year. And I think we'll have right. 10. We'll deploy them. We'll see how they do. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll look at our data. And then we're going to do a phased approach to where we can do this responsibly versus, like, I know some cities here that are just like, nope, you know, we don't, we're not doing it. We're cold country and this is what we're doing. And they'll look up and then, you know, here comes 2030 or, you know, 2032 or something. And it's like, there's no longer a combustible engine available, you know, right? Uh, because of either EPA government mandates and, or the companies just seeing the future and saying, this is the future and saying, we're not producing them anymore. Either way, I want to make sure that we're prepared, and that's what law enforcement is about. I have a saying that if we can predict it, we can prevent it. And so as a, as a, as a police chief, I think it's so essential that we are always thinking five or ten years down the road because if we're always working about, you know, working on today, I guarantee we will always be behind. Well, you also mentioned, you know, uh, it's interesting that you said a lot, you know, some of the time that you have out there is idling the car. When an electric vehicle idles, I mean, it's basically – just about off. Yes. So you're not using fuel. And when, when a internal combustion engine vehicle is idling, you're throwing all this pollution into the air and you're, you're using up gasoline. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a huge benefit right there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned the charging too, which is wonderful. I, don't, I actually got the thumbs up from the city of, uh, of Berea 
uh, last week to uh, put the chargers in, uh, you know, um, at the police station. Uh, I think they're going to have, you know, the rest of those spots um, at the police station uh, with chargers. Uh, right now, I think we have an order for uh, six dual chargers, which is wonderful. Awesome. So the vast majority of those, I'm assuming, will go to the police department there as reserved for police officer, you know, vehicles. Uh -huh. And then uh, there will be some that will be going out to the community as well. Mm -hmm. um, and actually through, um, this is uh, perhaps some new information for you, but uh, through Adopt-A-Charger in California, which we've based our Adopt-A-Charger program off of, and they've been wonderful to us, they are donating to us uh, two dual chargers for free. So those are going to go out into the community um, for public use. Um, so like you were saying, electrifying the town, um, it's going to happen. And what's exciting about that is not only can you charge, you know, while you're at the police station, but now if these are available out in the community, like they're building this brand new pavilion uh, that they're very excited about, so if you are out in the community and they have to do some work uh, out in the community and, and just, you know, are sitting there in their vehicle, uh -huh. they could be charging while they're doing that. Abs you know? Absolutely. Our goal is to get uh, officer presence. A lot of people don't understand. They look at law enforcement. Our presence is, is about 90% of our job. You know, people see a police car and they put their seatbelt on. People see a police <laughs> car and they think second about maybe running that light. They see a police car right. or an officer in uniform in a, in a Walmart. They don't maybe they don't shoplift or maybe whatever. And so, presence is everything. And so I'm so thankful to partner with you all and, and, and essentially put these charging stations throughout our most, you know, our, our busiest thoroughways and, and, and areas in town so that as we go out as officers, our guys can charge and knock out that 20 minute report that they have to, that they just got on that theft report or whatever while charging, but also while in the community. And so right. I'm just excited about this, this whole project. And I knew you guys were working behind scenes, but I didn't know everything had gotten confirmed. So this is yeah. awesome. It's kind of a new information to me. I'm, it, I'm excited. It just about happened. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited about that. I know David Gregory is is, is a very forward thinking uh, city He's administrator, been wonderful. And, yeah. and I'm excited about this. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear this. This is new new to me, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been wonderful. We had a Zoom call this past week, the end of the week. So awesome. uh, it's just happened, and I knew you'd be thrilled about that. So yes. Um, yes. Also, I, you know, honestly, the uh, the unveiling was the first time I was uh, in the in Berea, and. Right. Just super impressed. I mean, can you talk a little bit about Berea? They're, they, the place is um, like a magnet. They're, they're bringing in some new industries. Um, and now, I mean, I think they really can use the fact that um, the police force is, is doing this really forward-thinking thing as another way of selling the town. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk about uh, basically the flavor of Berea and, and what, what that's like? Absolutely. So, you know, this whole entire central Kentucky area is very unique. Uh, Lexington, the city of Lexington is kind of kind of the heart of it. And, and so what, what goes on here in Lexington is that Lexington is the largest city in America that's not on a large body of water. Um, and so the way in which it was constructed was not meant to be what it is today. But the University of Kentucky is here. And I think, as everyone knows, your college towns are going to grow your, your towns because money and, and it's never ending, you know, uh, to where some some cities have, you know, st stagnant growth or or pauses here or there for whatever. The college is like a never ending fun uh, funding machine. And so, you know, what brought me to Madison County, which is just south of Lexington, uh, Fayette County was uh, looking for, you know, I was looking for a little more land and to get out of that whole uh, overpopulated, you know, city of Lexington, which is where they're getting it's it's there's there's not a lot of room to grow because they they built about as much as you can build. And so I came here to Madison County and this is even before I took the police chief's job down in Berea. And so for those that don't know, Madison County is the county of which the city of Berea is within, and the city of Berea is the most southern portion of Madison County. And what makes Berea so unique is that, like, the city of Richmond, which is just right above us, between us and Lexington, um, R Richmond is, 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 is has uh, Eastern Kentucky University. And so they have another large university there that really funds and pushes their town, and that town has had a lot of growth. 
Well, so like when I started to look into Berea, I was really trying to learn like, what is Berea? What do they have to offer? Like, do I really want to take this police job here, you know, as the chief? And, you know, and, and, and I was so drawn one to the people when I got here, they, they absolutely love, you know, um, they love Berea and, and it's really cool because like I grew up in Atlanta where there's a bunch of people from outside and everywhere, you know? So it's right. very strange, like in, in Berea, everyone here knows everyone, everyone really like your dad was the coach who coached this kid whose mother is like, <laughs> works with you at the schools. Like everyone knows everyone. And so that's really awesome. Like it's this really like close knit town, but what's going on now is as everything continues to grow from Lexington, it keeps pushing, pushing everyone out and us being right on highway 75 and runs right through the middle of our city. Um, a big, bigger businesses have now said, Hey, we could operate out of here. And they actually have the, the, the area, the land now. So we're at the forefront of, of our huge industrial push, our huge growth as a city. And I am excited to be a part of it at one as a police agency because we're growing. Um, our department has grown already a couple individuals since I took over from 2019. And I could see us growing another four to five over the next five or six years because the city of, you know, 17 or so thousand is probably going to be closer to 20 or so thousand when we get this most recent uh, census uh, numbers in. And I just see it continuing to grow. We have companies like Apt Harvest. And right. if you all don't know who they are, Apt Harvest is the first company to innovate, you know, your traditional farming. They basically are taking technology and innovation, and you're going to be able to completely uh, um, digitize your, your your farming to where you can control it with an iPhone and an app, to where you can see what your crop's temps are. And they're doing it all under the umbrella of a greenhouse. So they're, they're, they're building 60-acre to 30-acre square foot greenhouses so that they can farm year-round. And there's not going to be any weather, climate, or seasons to prevent them from farming, which is always been the farmer's, you know, uh, the farmer's biggest issue is, is their season right. for certain crops, and then they're out of season. So in, when they're in season, they're doing great, they're making money. Well, they're out of season, they're doing the best they can to survive. And so, you know, Apt Harvest came in, and I think that they have a great a great idea and blueprint and they're here we also have a bunch of factories in the, in the um not just in ev but just in automotive industry there's hitachi there's honda uh, they've come in and what they're doing is is they're all expanding and so when we all started to get these you know i, I i'm in a lot of the uh, executive board meetings and when i start hearing about all this growth in berea i'm thinking like this is it this is our moment and then the caveat to all of this is that we have the pinnacle mountains and so I didn't know this till I was in a tourism meeting once, but the Pinnacle Mountains is the most visited mountain um, in Kentucky. And it's also like one of the top five on the entire East Coast as for population. And so there are visitors that actually, you know, uh, that attend the, the mountain. And so when I got to thinking, like, why not Berea? Like, why not us? You know, and, and it kind of led to us thinking, like, from a police department stand force, uh, standpoint, it kind of led to us saying, why not? Why not now? Why not us? And I'll tell you just a real quick story. Um, 2008 is, is when I was uh, I got out of college and, and I, I had the I was blessed with the opportunity to play professional football um, with the Tennessee Titans down in Nashville. And I will never forget that moment of when I first got into my hotel room the first day and they had a T-shirt on my bed and it said it said on the front, it says all your work has paid off. And then on the back of the T-shirt, it says the future is now. And I'll never forget that moment because it was like my entire life. I had played 20-something years of football, you know, from age four or five all the way up to, you know, out of, through college, through the University of Kentucky, all the way to professional level. And I remember, like, you work your butt off for this one uh -huh. moment. And I remember thinking, like, wow, that moment is now. Like, I actually signed right. a contract. Like, it has arrived. And so for me, that's kind of been my model in life. It's like, like, like everyone can't keep working for, you know, 50 years down the road. Like we got to focus on today. And so that's kind of what led to this whole, you know, innovation and me thinking outside the box, instead of doing the traditional keep, you know, going around the circle on the hamster wheel, how about we maybe build a different wheel or maybe look at putting a treadmill on there instead of a wheel. Let's think of something different. And I think it's led to uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully this is the future for, for not only our agency, but many, and I've had tons reach out and I'm super excited about that. And I hope to help as many come on board as I can, because um, I know it was a struggle for us because we were the first, but I'll do my best to make sure that it's not as difficult for the next agency. Right.
Right. Um, are there certain advantages that these Teslas have over the other patrol cars that you have? I know you mentioned some of them, but, uh, you know, just as far as what they can do, what they have already on board, that kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, the bigger things is one is the safety ratings. I mean, it's hands down. The, the Tesla is, it's, I'm still getting used to mine. I've only had it about a month now and I can tell you, I mean, it, it takes some getting used to, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the car taking over itself to avoid a collision. Um, that's happened to me once. And wow, it was quite the uh, nerve wracking feeling when it first happened. But then I thought, man, I didn't even see that vehicle coming at me. And this vehicle just saved me a collision, you know. Um, yeah. And so one, that's what I look at. And, and a lot of people think of law enforcement officers, and I, uh, we have a program called Below 100, which Below 100 essentially is our goal as police officers to minimize officers' line of duty deaths to below 100 a year. Uh, right. And so uh, we've not had Below 100, and I think, since the 70s. And so our goal is to get there. And what we're starting to find statistically is that most of our officers are not dying in these gun battles or something crazy that everyone would envision. It's actually vehicle uh, related. I think 60% of all of our officer line of duty deaths are all from vehicles, either us responding to a call or us in a vehicle related pursuit uh, after someone um, it's all vehicle related. And so when I got to the point, I was like, you know, as an agency, we do about six or seven different uh, firearms qualifications a year. We're always rolling around and doing defensive tactics and fighting. We do all this training, but no one does driving training. And the reason we don't is because of the cost, because it costs so much to go out there and run through an extra set of brakes on about, you know, 20, 30, 40 cruisers to do the training and run through tires to to do all the driving. But then I start to look at the stats and say, well, if we're going to do things that make sense, why are we not following the data? And so I'm excited about the safety ratings and aspects of this car because it can do things that the traditional police car can't. Um, I've already talked about some of the built-in technology um, with the internal and external cameras. Um, also, uh, from a maintenance standpoint and fuel, like there's going to be none of that. Uh, maintenance will come, but you know, as of right now, um, with the regenerative braking, I mean, uh, the maintenance that I can see within year one to two is going to be possibly windshield wipers, you know, right. maybe brake pads, uh, you know, things that we're doing every other month now on our traditional vehicles. And so I am just excited about that. I think that, you know, over the first year to two years, we could save somewhere between, I know, five to six grand a year on these vehicles. And then if I start to multiply that across, you know, 80% of my fleet or 50% or whatever to get this going you know, we're going to start to actually bring back money that we can produce and, 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 and use to purchase more, more police equipment to help keep our guys safe and to do their jobs um, and to buy more Teslas or whatever. You know, uh, right now we're using Teslas. Heck, Honda may come out with a uh, or Ford or whoever may come out with a police interceptor. Um, you know, so we're not just proprietary to Tesla, although I love Elon and I love Tesla. Um, you know, it's it's to me, it's all about this new wave of, of technology and being on the, the front end of that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, um, let's see. Um, as far as like the future, um, what other things do you envision? I mean, um, are, solar panels? I mean, um, I don't know if you've thought about that as far as, uh, I don't know if there's solar panels on, on the police station or, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, those kinds of things. Uh, is it going? Is it going to go past the just? Because I would imagine one of the things that you're setting a good example for is is these vehicles are cleaner. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's it's clean tech. Yes. And uh, you know, we we both have kids, mm -hmm. and we you know we want better for future generations. And again, you're leading by example. Uh -huh. um, these cars, even run by coal, are cleaner. Yes. You know. Um, and that, I always say, as the grid gets cleaner, these cars can get cleaner the next day, you know? Yes. So whether it's, you know, a, a police station uh, having solar panels on the roof or, 
if some of your officers are charging at home and they end up getting solar panels on their roof uh, just privately, uh-huh. these vehicles get cleaner. Absolutely. And, and and I will say that our city hall and our police department do have, um, I don't know the actual amount, but I know I can tell you our entire building, which is quite a large facility, um, it does have the entire roof is, is solar, which is great. Okay. Um, and so Berea has had this very unique um you know, style about them to where, you know, uh, like I told you, David Gregory, our, our, our prior, he was the prior police chief uh, before I took over. Okay. Um, and he is, as you know, he's now our city administrator. But David, right. David was, was thinking, you know, uh, very innovatively prior, five, six years ago when he purchased the, the electric motorcycle. Um, he was a part of the process of building the, uh, the new city hall and police department, which encompasses the, the solar panels. And so when we got to looking around at what we're doing, we were like, you know, Berea can, they have this unique thing about them. Like every, every city or every town has what they're known for, whether it be bourbon, whether it be horses, whether it be technology, you know, um, you know, Gatlinburg, tourism and mountains, whatever it is, everyone has their like their own uh, theme. And so I got to thinking like Berea doesn't have, like we're arts and crafts and, 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 and some, you know, people come from all around the world, but I got to thinking like from, from a uh, production standpoint and from a monetary standpoint, like it's, that's not going to be enough to grow Berea. And so we have to identify who we are and find this. And so, you know, I know I'm just a police chief, so I try to stay like in my own space because, you know, that's obviously other individuals, our mayor and, and everyone, our city council, that's, that's kind of their job, but heck, why not? If, if I have this platform and I have the, the ear and the access to these individuals, I'm going to continue to push so that we can get like our own uh, identity, a very specific identity um, that is going to be about innovation and, and, and being on the forefront and, of, of thinking and technology. And so I am excited about that. We also are looking to, um, you know, as, as a police department with technology, it's not going to just stop with the vehicles. Um, we have, obviously, you were at the reveal. You saw our newest body camera system. Yeah. Um, highest, most sophisticated system out right now. Um, and it is, is it going to be a great system? And I think it's going to end up saving thousands of officer lives, you know, with a lot of the built-in features. Um, there's another product that I'm, I'm not, you know, I haven't, told anyone about but we're getting ready to launch this july which is called a bowler wrap and it's b-o-l-a-w-r-a-p the bowler wrap is essentially what i believe is going to eventually either replace or be a a substitute uh, for the taser uh the bowler wrap i remember as, as a kid watching you know batman with all of his gadgets and stuff well, <laughs> there's a company and, and and i think they're out of florida i'm not certain but i i know this company created essentially like a wrap uh, uh, gun. I don't like to say gun because it's not a necessarily a gun, but uh, okay. you essentially push this little button on this taser-like looking thing. It just looks like a little rectangle in your hand, like a remote, um, and and it shoots out a wrap that has, um, and it comes out like at the speed of a gun. It has like a 380 cartridge, and it shoots it, and it literally wraps up an individual. Um, so it's less lethal. And so my goal is, is as I look across the country and I see all these terrible officer involved shootings and I think, how can we minimize that? Like, how can we help if someone's having a, a, a mental illness, uh, a situation, we don't need cops pointing guns at them. Like they're already in a bad state. Right. Um, but I understand safety to the public. So I understand why officers have to keep people safe. But what right. I look at things is, is like what's out there to help us do our jobs so that we can minimize not only injury to individuals, but also to ourselves. And so these, these, these uh, bowler wraps, I'm super excited about them. We're going to be launching those um, this July. We're going to get those to all of our supervisors on shift and we're going to start small. Um, but like, you know, I th- I, they're, they're not going to be using every call or every situation, just like a taser isn't, but I believe right. it's just going to be one more tool um, to essentially wrap around a person's body um, to keep them, con- you know, uh, restrained so that they can't be a danger to themselves or to others. And so, I'm excited about some of the innovative uh, things we have coming, but it all starts with, you know, me having the support. I have a, you know, Bruce Fraley is our, is our mayor of Berea and he supports me completely and, and all of my, as, as some would say, crazy ideas to move forward. But, you know, I'm 36 years old and I'm a police chief, which is a lot, wow. a, a, in a lot of ways that's unheard of, you know, um, but 
I think if, if we're going to change the narrative, if we're going to change the future of policing, it takes someone like me who grew up poor, grew up in Atlanta. Um, I grew up not liking like, law enforcement officers, not like they had ever done anything, but I was always taught, like, stay away from the police. They're not good for us as an African-American or they're not good for people who are poor. And then I got to realize, like, no, like, these guys are great, you know, and, and, and I got to know some law enforcement officers through my football career because they read every event on the sideline. And I got to know, like, I mean, these guys are just like us. They're their dads, their coaches. Um, and then it kind of really catapults me into this career. Um, and, and I'm super excited about it, uh, pushing forward and being the next generation or that future generation of law enforcement that that really thinks, because I've lived through a lot of struggles. I've lived through a lot of issues with law enforcement from, you know, from the 80s, 90s, all the way up to now. Um, and I kind of have a different view and a different perspective. And so I'm not the guy who's saying I'm going to completely reinvent and recreate the wheel, but I can assure you that we are going to, we are going to think about everything and it's going to be data driven and we're going to think outside the box. And it's always going to be about being as inclusive to everyone as we can um, to ensure that we do our jobs. And so I'm excited about, you know, not just the technology component, but also, you know, uh, moving forward as, as a police agency. Well, it's a holistic approach, and I, I applaud you for that um, because, yeah, you know, uh, we need the police to be doing the right thing, you mm -hmm. know, and, and we need, um, in a way, to kind of gain back some of that respect, Absolutely. you know, after a lot of these, you know, horrific things that have happened throughout the nation. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to do things smartly, you know, which yes. is exactly what, you, what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, so I, I do applaud you for that. I, I think it's wonderful. Thank you. Thank um, and it, it does seem like, you know, the 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 car piece is is a piece of it. But uh, it, it's really wonderful to see that you know you're thinking about all the different pieces. Absolutely. So yes, sir. Thank yeah. You. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Yeah. Was there uh, was there anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, this has been absolutely wonderful. Um, you know, not really at this time. I'm just you know. I always feel blessed to have the opportunity to, whenever I get a chance to speak to anyone um, and kind of share a little piece about, you know, myself and, and, and my agency and, and, and especially our city uh, there in Berea. So, you know, I appreciate you uh, getting me on here today. And, and you know, I definitely will be a, a, not only a fan, but I also will definitely come on and, and support you all in any capacity. And I do look to, you know, do a bigger, not a bigger reveal, but do something whenever you know, we get all of our new charging stations up as well as um, uh, coming in, in July when we look to launch sometime between July and August, we look to launch our next batch of the Model Ys. I will ensure to contact you all there at Evolve KY and and uh, have you a part of that. So uh, we won't do as big of a reveal like we did this time where, uh, you know, I had a pianist there, but I can assure you that yeah. on the next one. Uh, because you know, I wanted to go big on the first one so everyone knew kind of what was going on, blah, blah, blah. But this next one I'm excited about because um, I think the future is going to be um, where we're going. And I think everyone's excited about it. I know we are here at the police department and I know our city is. So um, thank you and thank you for what you do. OK. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stu's EV Universe. I would like to thank Eden Unger for creating the artwork and the music for this episode. Remember, please leave us a rate and review and share this episode as that's the only way that we can continue to grow. Remember, the EV revolution runs on your energy. I'm Stuart Unger. See you next time.